Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So I'm going to get into 1 Thessalonians. We've been reading that in um, our kind of one year and reading plan. And so I want to just highlight a few things. Um, I'm going to read a, a section that is kind of categorized in the NIV with the, the heading Final Instructions. And uh, don't worry, it's not my farewell speech, but it is Paul the Apostle's farewell portion of the first letter that he sends to this group of believers in Thessalonica. And what's going on here, just to set the stage a little bit, uh, you know, obviously Jesus has died, rose from the dead, sent the 12 out. They're now preaching all over the area. And now Paul has been converted to Christianity. He, remember, he was killing Christians, and now he is one and preaching absolutely lights out. People are getting saved. Cities are being transformed. He's refuting the, the theologians of the day proving that Christ is real. So he's doing all this stuff. Well, he gets into Thessalonica, and they're preaching the gospel. People are responding. Church is being planted there. But then a riot breaks out, and an outbreak goes on because uh, they start going, hey, listen, this guy Paul is preaching a divisive message towards, uh, you know, Caesar because he's saying there's, there's another king in town, right? Jesus is king, and so he's saying that you don't you need to worship Caesar anymore, now you need to worship Jesus, and so it's an interesting dynamic there, where the the city is nervous about the Christians because they're not really great at submitting, which should be the problem in the one in one sense as far as Christians, where we are the type of people that do not just listen to whatever an evil dictator says, but we have a higher submission, authority, allegiance, and that is to. Jesus, right? So whenever the rule of the king uh, is not in alignment with the rule of Christ, then we have only one option, and that is to rebel against the authority and submit to Christ, right? That, that is our role. That is our mandate. I still remember riding with John Day uh, in, uh, in the car right as COVID when we just thought we were two weeks, you know, to flatten the curve and stuff. And uh, so we get in the car. I still remember this today. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I thought, sick, vacation. This is going to be great. Okay, listen, anyone else feel that way for just a few minutes, okay? I'm not saying you still think that. I'm just saying you felt that for a minute. You're like, oh, we're going to relax. You know, nobody can go in the office. Like, we're doing, now everyone's working remote. We're like, God, where's the office? You know what I mean? But back then, everyone was in office, and we're going to chill. I remember just, like, that was my instinctive thought, I'm going to be honest with you. Not John Day. John Day is a warrior, right? So he saw through that crap in about 0.5 seconds, right? So he goes, this is garbage. This is un unacceptable. This is unconstitutional. Like, we're in the car, like, heading to men's prayer one Tuesday morning, right, when it's all going down. I was like, yeah, yeah, same. You know what I mean? I agree. I was just about to say that, but then you said it, so... Honestly, it was what flipped the switch because I was about ready to go vacation mode. I was like, let's get the, the pool floaties out. You know what I mean? This is going to be great. Two weeks to vacation the curve. You know what I mean? And, uh, and John was like, 
heck no. And I was like, yeah, me either. And uh, so then that's what I've been ever since, you know, raging at the Board of Supervisors and such. Um, but you can thank John for all my angsty posts. And it's uh, good. So, but in, in this uh, situation now, Paul creates a riot and, well, he doesn't create it. The, the town starts stirring up drama where he has to leave kind of for the safety of everybody involved. But now he's nervous because he's like, what is going on with this new baby church that I planted over there? And he's afraid that the persecution maybe got to him. Now, what if they gave up their faith? What if they've left it? What if the persecution just got too much? What if they've buckled under the pressure? What if they haven't really given all to Christ? And so he sends one of his traveling guys, Timothy, who's a Greek, so he's able to swoop in there less detectable. And Timothy goes in, meets with the church, and comes back to the Apostle Paul with just an epic report, like, hey, the church is good. The church is healthy. The church is growing in faith. They're growing in love. And so like this raving report comes back and also a couple of things he needs to work on. So then Paul writes and these two ch chapters or these two books rather, uh, these two letters that the apostle Paul writes are to encourage and to celebrate their faith and also to speak into a couple issues. But at the end of his first letter, he gets into kind of a little overview, like a final summary, a, a, a final report type of a situation where he goes, hey, I'm about to end this email, you know what I'm saying? I'm about to close up this letter and let me just hit you with a couple of real quick things I gotta make sure that you're on point with, okay? So I wanna get into that, 1 Thessalonians chapter five, starting in verse 12, he says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Right? So he's saying, hey, listen, I've appointed some pastors and teachers in your community, and I need you to hold them in the highest regard. He's teaching them about honor. He's teaching them about authority and how God has designed and instituted a healthy church to work. And so as I'm reading this, I was like, oh, man, i got to lean into this for a second because I just want an opportunity to highlight and honor some, some people, right? Some people in our campus who are teaching and admonishing and encouraging and caring for people. I think about the LaBelles. Come on, somebody. Man, the, the way they care for our kids, the way that they lead our kids' team and our kids' ministry, man, I hold these two in the highest regard. I honor them for their service. I honor them for their leadership, the way they care for people. Come on, let's never take it for granted, those who've, who God has put his hand on to say, hey, I need you to step in. I need you to lead the kingdom in a certain area. I need you to carry spiritual weight. And so a huge honor to the LaBelles. Thank you, guys. We love you. And your dance moves from Marriage Getaway. Let's go. I love it. I think of the Nelsons. Come on, don't you love the Nelsons? Heading up our DNA team, helping all the, all the newbies get connected, get planted, get, uh, get kind of the roots down deep. And the way that these two care for people, the way they carry, the way they fight for, believe for, ex get excited for, helping people's lives be transformed. I'm telling you what, I hold these guys in the highest regard. Very, very thankful. Very, very thankful for the way you lead, the way you love people well. 
I think about the Sullivans. Come on. I want you guys to hold them in the highest regard, like Paul says, right? Because they fight in faith for you guys. I'm telling you what, I feel that. You know, like, I'm not jealous, but like a little bit. Because like about 75% of the like faith stories have Pastor Jesse connected to it. You know what I mean? If I could like even it out to at least 50-50 or like a 65-45 split, or at least I'm helping somebody to believe for something. But I'm telling you what, if you need a, a victory, come pray with Pastor Jesse and Kat. These guys believe. They carry in faith. He also like brings like, you know, like powerful dirt places. I don't know. What, uh, he'll have to talk more about that. But like, you know, holy ground and he'll like sprinkle everywhere. Like so if you just see people like carrying dirt off of Bressy campus from time to time, they probably were talking to Pastor Jesse. He's like, go sprinkle this dirt on the ground you want to take territory for. All right, cool. Send it. Seems to be working. Um, you're like, I see people coming to church with shovels. They just kind of, you know. <laughs> just excavating. Hey, if you're going to do that, lay some fresh mulch out there while you're at it. That'd be great. That would actually be great. Um, but I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for the Williams. How many thankful for the Williams here? There's many things they do, many things they have done at Awaken. They currently help with heading up our Awaken You and our Awaken Academy. Man. So just educating the next generation, no big deal, okay? I'm thankful for you guys. Thankful for the weight they carried. They're not in the room. Uh, David Lujan just had a little surgery, but I think of the Lujans. Come on, I'm thankful for the Lujans. The way they love people well, care for people, believe in people. I think of the Smiths. Somebody love the Smiths. My God. Man, I'm telling you what, the... The amount of positive conversations I get to have with the Smiths and all these that I just mentioned that where they're fighting for, believing for, excited for. Man, have you heard what's going on in their life? Hey, have you heard? You know, and I love seeing that. I love what God is doing. And so I just want to encourage you guys, hold these in highest regard. Spears as well over here on the left, the left side, the right side. Uh, I think Spears. The Spears have built the largest cafe team in America, uh, the most high-capacity, uh, most effective, and quality beverages, okay? And quality beverages being served since whenever you took it over. I don't know what it is. 1980, since 1980. And the creams they are selling, get them, because uh, he looks so good for 1980. He's been leading the cafe that long. It's amazing. It is amazing. Um, okay, moving on. I really just wanted to dishonor everybody. So that's kind of my main reason for that point. Just hold pastors and these leaders who carry that weight in highest regard. It's a beautiful thing. Honor unlocks all the goodness and the favor and the blessing of God. And, um, okay, and I just want to keep shouting out everybody. So, I, But I must move on because this clock, you actually did take the five minutes off. Why would you do that? That was a joke. I didn't really want the five minutes off. I was just trying to say that. Um, okay, just kidding. Moving on. Here we go. Um, let's see here. Uh, verse 14, we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive 
encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everybody. Interesting thing, Paul will go back to that whole idol thing often. And um, basically, or another translation will use a word like busybody, right? People who are uh, focused on the wrong things and not focused on mission. One of the ways I would kind of summarize that statement is Paul is saying, hey, stay on mission. Stay focused on what matters, right? People who are on mission have very little time for gossip and drama, right? If you're all consumed in drama, you need to get a life, literally, Literally, you need to. Like, you need to get a job, maybe. You need to start serving more. Uh, You need to do something, right? Something needs to happen because if you are too idle, too off course, basically Paul's saying, hey, Tell, get them people back in line. That's basically what he says. Get them in line. They're off track right now. They're, they're idle. They're talking nonsense. They're getting all distracted. Get back to what really matters. Get your eyes focused on the things that matter. Amen? Uh, and then it says, be patient with everyone. Hello, that's a word, right? Uh, verse 15, let's continue. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone, right? So the point in that is basically to say, uh, do good even when you're being wronged, right? Such a powerful challenge to us, right? When, when evil's coming our way, how are we responding, right? When mistreatment comes our way, how do we respond, right? How are we engaging in a world that sometimes is going to bring evil, going to bring accusation, going to bring something negative to us? And am I going to respond in the same way or am I going to respond with grace? Am I going to respond with goodness? Am I going to respond with mercy back at somebody? We, we live in a pretty wild era, right, that we live in. And you know me, I'm always kind of popping off about something evil that's going on in the world that's around me. So the question is, am I saying that when people do evil things, I should never say anything about that, right? Be, because obviously I'm not currently living that way. So if that is what Paul is saying, then I need to shape up here a little bit. But what I would say is that there is a challenge that there can be a line that we have to be careful of that I don't adopt the spirit of the world that is just full of venom and anger, right, and retaliation type of a mode. When evil is happening, good men and women need to stand up for truth, but I don't have to get into, well, you did this, so I'm doing this, and I'm going to, you know, I'm back at you with the same spirit that you brought at me. Actually, the, the difference, Jesus says, hey, when somebody mistreats you, uh, then you actually respond with a greater level of kindness back at them, and it actually, the Bible says it's like it heaps coals on their head. Like your kindness, they don't know what to do with it, right? People don't know how to respond to it. And so it's learning how to navigate that when somebody is rude to you that you're actually kind to them. You ever done that? You ever notice how it agitates people more sometimes? When you maintain your composure, when they're freaking out, (laughs) right? It's so important that we carry a different spirit. We can stand, and and I'll talk about later, because actually Paul says to resist or reject every kind of evil. Right, So it's not a passivity towards what is wrong or towards what is evil, 
But it is an understanding that when it comes especially to relationships, whether it be marriage, whether it be friendships, whether it be here in the church, we have to understand that I'm going to respond differently to people who wrong me, right? I'm actually going to make a decision that I'm going to respond with grace, right? That I'm going to, I'm going to have a different spirit. So Paul says that. Uh, don't repay wrong for wrong, right? Because that's a very natural, instinctive thing. Like, hey, you wronged me. Well, guess what I'm going to do to you, Right? But God's saying, that's not how I do it. That's not how I roll. That's not how I operate. And I don't want you to live that way. I need you to respond good to evil, okay? Uh, Then he goes on in verse 16, and these are some verses maybe you've heard before. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Here, ask yourself, I just want to know what God's will is. There it is. This is, this is a very clear-cut thing. His will for every single one of us is that we rejoice always. We pray continually, right? We give thanks in all circumstances. That's a pretty big deal. This is, this is not being written to pre-COVID Christianity in America, Right? Where life is good, economy is good, gas prices are low, homes are doing awesome, everyone's buying and killing it and crushing it. This is not written to that group. This is written to people who are in major persecution mode. They are under pressure. They are not having a good day every day from a natural standpoint. Many of them for claiming Christianity may have had their businesses shut down, may have been killed for their efforts. But Paul doesn't seem to care too much for their feelings. He just says something kind of crazy. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in every circumstance. That would feel a little bit like right now, like I, I saw a recent alert that, you know, um, you know, a Christian in China was sentenced to life imprisonment. Another one was sentenced to death, right, because they hosted churches. They had Christian gatherings that they're not allowed to do, right? Imagine if you sent a message to that uh, pastor or those Christians, hey, just want to remind you guys, rejoice, That would feel like a little insensitive almost. You know what I mean? Like, yo, like, let's have a little different tone on this letter. You know what I mean? Like, hey, man, heart's going out to you guys. Like, life sucks right now. And I just want you to know, hang on tight. Like, we're praying for you. No, Paul has a different type of declaration. He goes, hey, guess what? Rejoice. These are all choices they have to make. Rejoice always. Doesn't always mean that there's going to be something to rejoice about in the sense of natural circumstances. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. You know, um, kind of a funny way, I had to learn how to do this up in Seattle. We lived in the Northwest for about 15 years, and it is cloudy a lot, right? The first, uh, I I visited a, a college there when it was August, and it was sunny and 70 and perfection. And I was like, oh, I'm moving here. This is like heaven. I came from Minnesota. This is like perfection. There's mountains, ocean, no no humidity, no mosquitoes. I was like, this is awesome. I moved a couple months later in January, and that was the year that they broke the record for most consecutive days of rain. So I went from thinking I was moving to paradise to literally like 10 months of clouds and rain, right? Well, one of the things that we had to learn how to do, and I still do it now instinctively, is when I wake up, I had to learn to just say, man, what a beautiful day it is. 
It had nothing to do with my weather app because it was probably cloudy and not sunny, right? So I will still now say that instinctively, oh, such a beautiful day. And in San Diego, we are actually used to weather being beautiful, like pretty much all the time. But when it's cloudy or rainy and I instinctively say, man, what a beautiful day, I can see the look on people's face like, what are you talking about? It's raining, right? And because I had to learn that my declaration of the day's beauty and the day's goodness had nothing to do with the weather report, right? Nothing to do with the circumstances. Today's a great day. I don't care what the weather is out there. I don't care what the economy is. I don't care who's the president. I don't care what's going on. Today is a day I'm going to rejoice. Today's a day I'm going to have peace. I'm going to thank God for today's circumstance, no matter what it is. No matter what it is, I'm thankful in all circumstances. So our thankfulness is not determined by the circumstances around us. And Paul's got to let these guys know, hey, listen, you're persecuted right now. You're under pressure. You're going through difficult times. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks. So let's do that. If we found ourselves giving, complaining, it's time to give thanks, right? Right? We need to lean into thankfulness. We need to lean into joy. We need to lean into uh, everything that, that Paul is calling us into here. All right, let's continue. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Uh, another other verse to say, don't put out the spirit's fire. Uh, do not treat prophecy with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So Paul is, is saying here is don't, don't resist the work of the Holy Spirit. And obviously, there's a, there can be a broader context And hey, are we resisting kind of a national move of the Spirit? And we have to navigate that like in a bigger sense of like churches or church movements or denominations that maybe resist maybe what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. But, but I would say personalize it first is to go, hey, me personally, uh, let me not resist what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in me, right? His work his fire, his intention, his transformation that he's trying to do. I want to make sure that I am open and I am receptive to the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to stop it. I don't want to resist it. I don't want to block it. You know what I mean? I don't want to stop what God is attempting to do. I, I don't want to be found in, in that type of a situation where I'm not stepping up to and being willing to respond to what God has for our lives. And so don't, don't resist it. Um, I think part of that is a lack of faith in what God has said, because he says, don't quench the spirit, don't treat prophecies with contempt. When the Holy Spirit gives you a word, you need to put some faith to it, right? I think contempt for the prophetic is when I doubt, like when I, when I, when I choose to not come into agreement with what God has said whether it be in his written word or the prophetic word that's been released to you, put some faith on it, right? Lean into it. Okay, God, I trust you. Okay, God, let's go for it. All right, let's lean in. I, I'm, I'm gonna believe for good things. I'm gonna believe for the supernatural. I'm gonna believe for God's goodness. I'm gonna put faith into action into what we're doing, amen? Amen. Okay, let's continue here. So good. This whole, this, these, both these letters feel very like for us today. Verse 23, may God himself, the God of peace. I love that. What a statement. He is the God of peace. 
Anyone just need to breathe for a second? Just breathe. He's peace. Just, just allow the goodness of God, the peace of God to just rest on you. The God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. You know, I, I think one of the things as I was leaning into this last passage here and just kind of what would God be saying to us in this moment was that I think sometimes we can get ourselves so anxious about all the stuff we have to do to become holy or to be perfected. Uh, like we're always trying to work on something. And Jesus says, hey, listen, I started it. I'm going to finish it. Right? He goes, I'm, I'm doing a work in you. I, I'm, I called you and I'm going to be faithful to purify you, to make you holy. So when we give our life to Christ in, in the day one moment where I realize I've sinned and I need a Savior and I give my life to Christ, Jesus saves me. He rescues me. He, he pays the debt of my sin that I couldn't, I couldn't pay in my own strength. Like, wh why did Jesus have to come? He didn't just come to give us some nice laws and good stories and good parables. He came because he had to do something that only he could do, pay the debt of our sin right? And when he came and he paid that debt, now we get to receive that gift of salvation that he came and purchased on our behalf. We could not earn it. We could not work hard enough for it. We could not get to that place that we needed to get to of salvation, but Jesus did it for us and he gives us salvation. But then, I don't know if you've noticed this, you get saved, you give your life to Christ, and you still got issues, does anybody relate? You're like, you're like, man, why do I still have these issues? Why do I still think these thoughts? Why do I still struggle with this? Why am I still a mess in some way? And we think, man, I thought I got saved. You did get saved. Your address changed from eternity in hell to eternity in heaven. Your address changed. Your home changed. But now God begins the work of transformation. Now, God begins the work of renewing your life little by little by little. But here's the deal. We get ourselves way too worked up about this process, and we try to get ahead of the game on it, right? Because I, I, love, I love in one sense, I love the, the, the motivated self-help. Like we're going to grow. We're going to Kaizen our life, right? 1% better every day. Like, we're doing this. And on one hand, that's great, right? Progressing developing, not settling. Like, I love all that, right? But in that kind of ditch is this idea that I am going to be the perfecter of myself, that somehow I have the ability to make myself holy. But I cannot do that. Jesus started it. Jesus will finish it. He makes us holy. He purifies us. He transforms us. If we're not careful, though, we get ahead of the instructor. You ever done that, right? Greg Tack is trying to teach me to play golf. I just got to trust the next lesson, not try to get ahead of myself. Come on. Paul's sending me videos. Work on this. 
Passive-aggressive lessons he sends me. Maybe this will fix it. Probably not, but try it. <laughs> Caleb was interceding with me as I was playing our last round, and, uh, you know, he was, he was encouraging. But as I shanked two balls on the 18th hole, he's got a piece. Gosh, I really wanted my score to be lower. Uh, I'll get there. Thank you. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it, right? And I think sometimes in, in a world where we're trying to get better, get better, get better, grow, 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 better, you know, improve, 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 we can get so worked up about where we're currently at. And you know what? God knows where you're at, and he's working on it. He's perfecting you. He's making you holy. It's a beautiful thing. But you know what? Don't freak out and feel like you have to have it all figured out right now. Just work on the next thing God is showing you, right? I feel like we have these long lists of all the improvement I need to make, all the attitudes I need to adjust, all the behaviors I need to change. And God's just going like, hey, yeah, like you're freaking yourself out. Like I'm focusing on this one thing. Now, your wife also has a few other things, but I'm focusing on, <laughs> I'm focusing on this thing. <laughs> God's like, hey, your wife's feeding me the next one. Don't worry. Don't worry. Your wife has got, got, got in the hopper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if Holy Spirit ever runs out of things, he'll just talk to Kate. Hey, what's next for Samuel? Oh, okay. Okay. I got some suggestions. Um, but, you know, honestly, I, I just, I felt the Holy Spirit just to say, just be at peace with the process God has you on. He's developing you. He's working on things. Don't freak out. And also, let's have grace for each other. Right? Because I may see something and somebody else, man, that should be better. And God's like, just calm down. I am working in their life, right? I'm working. Do we trust that God is actually working intentionally and actively on each of our lives right now or not, right? If he is, then we need to calm down a little bit, allow people to grow, allow God to do what he's doing in their lives. And guess what? Same thing for yourself. Stop freaking yourself out by your hundred things you need to fix this year. Just let God tell you the next thing. And you know, you might be like, but God, I'm a mess here. I'm a mess. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we know. <laughs> Just chill out though. Let God work on this thing. And then he'll, he'll find something else for you. Don't worry about it. We'll keep working. And that's the process God has. It says that it's this process of conforming us into the image of his son right? It's a journey that we're on. He started it. He's going to complete it. He began a good work in you. We'll be faithful to complete it until the day. We're going to be perfecting to the last day, but just relax and allow God to speak to you today about what he has for you and watch how you can, you can be simultaneously having peace while God is progressing you. Too many of us are freaking out because we're not perfect yet. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just trust God with today 
be at peace that he's working. He'll give you the next lesson when you need it. He's going to teach you the next thing when you're ready for it. Until then, trust God. Stay close to the presence of God. And don't resist the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you receive that, give God a hand clap of praise. Let's stand to our feet and pray together before we, we roll out. Apostle Paul's final instructions, letter one to the Thessalonians, and also to us, the Bressians. <laughs> That's a dangerous word to say. Okay. Let's close our eyes. Let's just lean in. Just, just allow the peace of God. He is the God of peace, Paul says. Just allow the peace of God right now to rest on you and especially to calm you down from any perfectionism and, and kind of this, this unhealthy personal drive to feel like you got to perfect yourself. That you're going to somehow make yourself holy rather than just trusting God and surrendering to his goodness. God, we trust you. We look to you. God, you began, you're going to complete. You called us, you're going to be faithful to perfect us and to heal us and to transform us. God, I thank you that if there's been areas of our lives where we have resisted your work, we repent of that now and we surrender to you, God, to say, God, do your work in us. Minister life to us, transform us, heal us, strengthen us, call us out, do whatever you got to do, Holy Spirit. We are at your service, we are listening, we are responsive, and we will embrace what you're doing in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, before we head out here today, I just want to ask a, a final question about salvation. It's the most important question we'll have to answer. Many of us in the room have already made the decision to make Jesus the leader of our life to declare him Lord, to receive that free gift of salvation that he purchased with his life on the cross for us. And maybe everyone in the room has already made that decision to say, Jesus, your Lord. Or maybe there's one, two, five, ten, I don't know. You're here this morning and you've not yet surrendered to Christ. You've not yet said, Jesus, you're my leader and you're the Lord of my life. If that's you this morning, you say, Samuel, pray with me this morning. I want to make today the most important day of my entire life, and that's when I surrendered to Christ. That's when I, I turned from my life, my old ways, and I turned to Christ. And he loves you. That's the good news. You don't have to try to get your life all fixed up. You don't have to try to become a better person before God's ready to save you or to set you free. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. He's, he's calling you to himself today. If you're here this morning, you know you're away from God. You don't have a relationship with God. You know you need to make that declaration today. And the count of three, I just want you to lift up your hand. Let me know who I'm praying with this morning. You're around the room. You say, come on, pray with me. I need, I need to get my life right. I need salvation. I need to be saved and healed and transformed by his goodness. If that's you, in the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Just go lift up your hand around the room. Let me know who I'm praying with. Good. Awesome. Anybody else? Said it's me. Amazing section here. Just want to make sure I'm seeing everybody. Awesome. Lift them up nice and high so I can know who I'm praying with. I don't want to miss anybody. Great. Good. Anybody else? 
awesome. Yeah. So good. So proud of you guys. Amazing. So here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray this simple prayer, but it's a powerful one because you're making a decision that you're no longer going to be the Lord of your life or Satan's not going to be the Lord of your life, but you're saying, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. He's right now going to save you, heal you, forgive you, set you free, bring you close. So church, will you repeat this after me, especially those who are lifting your hands right now, I want you to repeat this with just boldness. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin and raising him from the dead to give me life. Today, I choose to turn from my sin and follow Jesus with all my heart for the rest of my life. Jesus, fill me up with your Holy Spirit so I can do your will. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.